0: way back when, when I was only 25 years old, and I know some of you are thinking, well, you look like you're 25 now, but I'm actually not. And uh, so... A long time ago, when I was 25 years old, Lisa and I got married, and I got a new job. And it was the first job that was like like real big boy job, and, and I was working for this big insurance company. And so we got married, and two months later, we moved to Minnesota, of all places, very cold place. And, uh, but I was a new husband. I was a new dad. We had Gracie, and now I'm like a businessman, and, and I began when we got up there and, and getting ready to start work. I started to get really, really nervous about everything, all of a sudden, it was like, no parents are here with us. I, I'm responsible for Lisa. I'm responsible for Gracie. I've got to make money. I've got to do well. I mean, there's like all these things happening that, that I felt this, this pressure, and the, and the company, they're putting us through 10 months of training. So that they hired us to sell insurance, but they were going to put us through 10 months of schooling before they let us out on the public. And so the problem was, <clears throat> I thought, I'll be good at selling, but I'm a terrible student. I'd, I'd never been a good student, and so I was really nervous. So I decided the night before the first day of work, I made this decision that I was going to try Yeah, that's right. I was going to actually try to be a good student. I was going to study. I was going to pay attention in class and and all those things, you know, you're supposed to do anyway. But I made that decision. I'm going to do that. And so school starts and I... I listened during school, and I come home at night, and every night before bed, I would actually review everything that we went over that day, and, and something funny happened. Uh, you see, all, all the guys that we were in the training program with us, there were six others. Uh, they didn't know me at all. They didn't know who I was. They didn't know that I was a good student, and they started to like say stuff like, wow, you're really smart. And they're like, you're a really good student. How do you know all this stuff? It was just simply I was paying attention and studying. But, but as they started to see that I was a good student, I started to believe that I was a good student. And I, I actually ended up being the top person in the class. I got all the best grades and, and everything. And all the teachers thought I was a great student. I mean, it was like, whoa. And, and, but here's the, the amazing thing about that. It was one decision that I made. I made a decision, and then all these little things started adding up that that were basically proving that decision I made, and it it transformed uh, who I was. And and so there I I made this decision, and, and I tell you that because there's something powerful about a decision. When we make a decision, it can literally transform our lives, and and we're going to be talking about this today because basically Paul is telling us to make a decision. And, and now, last week, just to review very quickly, I know not a lot of people were here last week. I had COVID, and it was a video and all that. So, so real quick, we talked about Romans chapter. Uh, Chapter 12, verse 1 last week, which says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And last week, we talked about this idea that, man, you can literally make this decision to to say, hey, everything I'm doing, a kind of a holistic picture of everything about my life is is an offering to God. That's what worship is. We sing, we love singing, but really worship isn't just our time of singing. Worship is everything we do in our lives. And and so this holistic view and and the power of how we identify ourselves. If we see ourselves as followers of Jesus, as, as people that are doing the right things, it's amazing the power that comes with that. Again, the power of that decision And so today, we're going to build on this idea of being transformed, that our lives can be transformed. And here's what Paul says in Romans 12, verse 2. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so in this one verse, there's really four things that we're supposed to be doing or we're going to get out of this. Uh, number one, it says, do not conform. So don't be like the rest of the world. Don't conform. Instead, be transformed, which is becoming something completely new, uh, being transformed. Uh, then the third thing is, how are you transformed? Well, the renewing of your mind. And we're going to talk about the power of the mind. And the fourth thing is kind of this, this magical thing. We're going to know the will of God. It's kind of the reward of all this, right? So, so you're not going to conform. You're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then guess what you're going to get? You're going to know the will of God. Now that sounds that sounds big, right? But, but I believe we're going to know the right things to do. And, and so we're going to go through this. We're going to start with this idea of do not conform so stop doing what everyone else is doing kind of that's kind of what he's saying now we live in a world that we feel like we should conform to everyone around us right I mean if you watch television you're told what clothes to wear you're told what products to buy you're told what to drive you're told all these things why because everyone else is doing it all the rich and famous are doing it and so so we have this this innate Thing in us that we want to conform. We want to be like everyone else. We don't want to stand out too bad. When I was in junior high, back in the early 80s, breakdancing was really big. And I was one of the greatest breakdancers in Kansas, which says a lot. And so, so you go back to my junior high days, and you've got Michael Jackson. You know, he could dance and do all these cool moves. And so I didn't even like Michael Jackson, but I always wanted the parachute pants that he wore. Those things were so cool, and people were buying them at French middle school. I went, and so I asked my parents if I could get some parachute pants. I like the red ones. Those are the ones I really did. And my mom said she couldn't afford parachute pants, so she was saving for parachute pants. Meanwhile, everyone else has parachute pants except me. And then then we'd have these breakdance circles. you remember the breakdance circles, anybody? I mean, they really happened at my middle school, and people would get in a circle, and they would breakdance. And, and I could do one breakdance move, and that was the centipede. I mean, I, and I would do it for you right now. I think they call it the worm now, but I'd probably break my mic or something, and you'd be way too impressed. So we're just going to say I could do it. I still can. But my friend... Told me, oh, you're so good at the centipede, you should do it in one of the circles. It's like, ah, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And, you know, you really should. And so finally one day, the circle cleared, and there went Chris centipeding right through the circle my friend has never quit laughing he's still laughing today and I say the only reason it wasn't great is because I didn't have red parachute pants on and I just didn't fit in quite well and my mom eventually did buy me parachute pants but by the time she bought them they were out of style and I never wore them I just stayed in my drawer. So so anyway, we all have that, don't we? We all have this desire to kind of conform. And we even do it as adults, don't we? As we get older, we all wear kind of the same clothing. We go to the same stores. We we want to buy the cool cars. And and I want to say there's nothing bad, really, about conforming. It's part of our, our human nature. But in some ways, it's like, why? But we're these incredibly unique creatures. God created each and every one of us a masterpiece or one of a kind. And and, and yet we read all these studies that say, oh, if you're the youngest in a family, you act this way. If you're the middle, you act this way. If you're the oldest, you act this way. Or, or the, read stuff that says, man, if, if you are a baby boomer, this is the way you act. If you're Gen X, you act like this. If you're a millennial, you act like this. Or we read horoscopes that tell us everyone born on our birth our birthday month acts like us. We're going to do the same thing today. And, it, and we read that stuff. It's like, wait a minute. Why do we think we all fit into this mold? We try to... to try to experience that, and the truth is that God created each and every one of us so uniquely and so differently uh, that you can't do that. You can't fit yourself into a mold. Now, I want to be very clear here. What Paul is talking about is not necessarily fitting into culture or being cool. What Paul's talking about is don't conform in the sinful way of society. Don't do the things the world's doing, because it doesn't lead to happiness, it doesn't lead to good things, it doesn't lead to a transformed life. It, I mean, Paul, Paul goes in Galatians 5, Paul kind of gives us some, some guidelines to what he's talking about. When he says, Don't conform to the world, uh, he says, The world, well, there's sexual immorality, there's hatred, there's jealousy, there's rage, there's selfish ambition. Those are the things that we shouldn't be conforming to. Because there's certain things that we do that that's what we produce, right? As opposed to if we are transformed by the Spirit of God, there's love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and self-control. And you can see when you look at those lists, you go, yeah, I don't want to conform to that. I don't want to be angry. I I don't want to lose my my self-control. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I have, I'll admit it. That man, something happens, or you start yelling at someone you love. You, you, you lose your temper. Maybe at, at work, you man, something happens, and you do something, and you just say, Man, I should never do that. And you go, That's not who I want to be, right? And, and the good news is that we don't have to be that way. We, we, it happens, but we don't have to be that way and and so this idea of being transformed when we are transformed it's it's kind of a freedom to become who god created us to be the best version of us you see our minds and our our habits and our dreams they can all be transformed because our mind is a very powerful thing and and so he says how are you transformed well the renewing of your mind That goes back to the power of a decision. Our minds are very powerful things. When we make a decision that we want to do something, it it can change who we are. I I just look at Paul who wrote this verse. If you go back to Acts chapter 9, the the first line is Saul, who was Paul, the one that wrote Romans 12, it, it says he was breathing out murderous threats. You see, Paul was actually killing Christians. He was throwing them in prison. He hated their very existence. He was an angry, angry man. And then all of a sudden, he has an experience with Jesus, and Jesus literally knocks him down on the road, blinds him. And Paul has this moment with Jesus, and it changes who he is. He makes a decision in that moment that he believes that Jesus is who he says he is. And it transforms Paul's life. In fact, Ananias, a little bit later in chapter 9, God tells Ananias, I need you to go and pray with Paul. And Ananias goes, God, I I mean, whatever. He's going to kill me. I mean, he doesn't want to go and see Paul because all he knows is Paul's throwing him in prison, killing Christians. But God says, no, no, he's a different man. You need to go and pray with him. He's waiting for you. And so Ananias goes and he meets this man. That is a new man, a transformed man, because of a decision and an experience that Paul had. And, and I, I will say, when we make a decision in our mind, it's a powerful thing. But when you make a decision in your mind mixed with the Spirit of God, it is a life-changing thing. It, now Jesus said something very similar to what Paul saying. It doesn't sound like it at first, but I just want to read to you what Jesus says. He, he stands up one day, and this is in Matthew 11, and he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It, what Jesus is saying here is, man, You guys are worn out. You're tired. And if you want rest, come to me. What makes us worn out? What makes us tired? What makes us anxious? What makes us angry? Well, it's living in this way that we've conformed to the world in a way that it's not us. It's not who we were created to be. And we know if you're angry all the time, if you're living in a way that's not the right way, guess what? You're going to feel anxiety. You're going to be angry. And it's not a good place to be and and Jesus is saying come and he says take my yoke and uh, just very quickly a yoke is is something that they wore for work and so a, an individual could wear a yoke on their neck and they could carry water or supplies and basically that yoke helped them do a lot more work but it was way easier Or for cattle is the same thing. You could put that over for cattle and and they were made for the animals or made just for that person. You see, if a yoke didn't fit, it would rub against their neck and it would hurt and it made the work even more difficult. But here Jesus is saying, come and take my yoke, which will fit you perfectly. and, And then your work that you do will be so much easier. He's saying, you've conformed. Don't conform any longer to the world. Come. Come and find your rest here. It's not that we're not working like we're laying around. It's no the work you're doing. What you're doing is going to be so much better. See this picture of the of the yoke is is this picture of man when we take on the way we're supposed to live the love and the joy and the peace and, and the patience and the self control. It makes our lives better. It it helps us to become to transform into who we were created to be and what's interesting is sometimes we do things but we live in a way just because we always have you know how many bad habits we do in a day just because it's what we've always done and there's a there's an experiment where you take a frog and you drop him in boiling water sounds really mean but when you drop the frog in boiling water he will jump out because well, it's hot right and that's not very comfortable but if you take that frog and you put him in Room temperature water, he will sit in there. And then you can slowly turn up the heat until it's boiling, and that frog will never jump out. He will die in there because he's comfortable. He was already comfortable. It's just what I do. And so, so often in life, we do things, we've conformed here, and so we just keep doing it because, well, it's just what I've always done. And there comes a time that we have to jump out of our comfort zone. We've got to jump out of those comfort, comfortable places so that our lives can be what we were created to be. And so this idea of transformation and then we get a reward. It says we get getting a reward. It's a pretty big reward too. It says then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I just want to say I remember in college people talking about, oh man, this is God's will for me or I know God wants me to do this and feeling really anxious and thinking, God hasn't spoken to me. God hasn't told me that I should be a pastor or I should be this. And, 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 and quite often we think about, okay, we're gonna know what God's will is. Then we go, oh, okay, now, now I'll be a pastor, right? Or I'll, I'll be a teacher or I'll be a biophysicist or, or something. But here's what I would say is, I do believe God's called me to be a pastor. I feel like I am here for a reason. But I also feel like that if something happened here, I could be a teacher. I couldn't be a biophysicist. I'd probably come up short there. But I could be, I could be other things and not be sinning. I, I could still be in the will of God. And so when it says that you're gonna know the will of God, it's not so much that <clears throat> he's gonna tell you exactly what to do. It's, it's much more is you're gonna know what the right thing to do this. My kids growing up, we used to have lots of rules for them. Can't do this, can't do that. But you know what it really came down to? And I'd tell them this all the time. Just do what is right. Because most of the time we know what the right thing is, right? And, and so so if you if you quit conforming and you, you allow God to transform your life, then you're going to know his good and perfect will. In other words, you're going to know the right thing to do. And, and, and so <clears throat> there's this place at the end of Acts. And and so Saul said this amazing transformation and and now he's he's Paul, right? He wrote all these letters. He's this amazing missionary. But in Acts 28, I love what it says. It says, for the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ and no one tried to stop him. What I love about that is it's so simple. It doesn't say Paul started 100 churches in the last two years. Paul, Paul's telling everybody in the world he's traveling. All it says is Paul stayed in his house for two years, and everyone that came, he told them about Jesus. <laughs> That's the right thing to do, right? Sometimes we try to make it so complicated and, and just to say, you know what, to know the will of God is to do the right thing. And quite often when you do the right thing, it's going to compound for the next thing you do is going to be the right thing. Also, when you wake up in the morning and you smile at your spouse, most likely they're going to smile back. Compared to if you're grumpy and angry with them, they're probably going to be grumpy and angry back. But when we do the right thing once, it becomes easier each step. And I believe all of us, we want to do the right thing. We want to our lives to be transformed. We don't want to be stuck in that anymore. We want this this new thing. And you have to ask, well, what is stopping us? I Honestly, I think there's there's four things. There's our habits. There's our physical environment. There's the people that surround us. And then it's what we believe about ourselves. You remember Jesus standing up in this crowd, And he's got this huge group of people that, man, they are living the way the world lives. They've conformed to the world. And he's saying, come on, come out of that and come to me. And I believe we can all do that, that Jesus is calling us to a life of love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and self-control. And I love the new modern science because there's so many things that the Bible teaches that now science literally proves. And and one of them is how powerful our minds are. Because I read this stuff about the the brain, and it's like, wow, look how God created us. And and so when you go through these four things, just look at habits. And and so the, the power of a habit. As human beings, a habit is so powerful that, take for example, you get up in the morning and you get your cup of coffee, what do you do? You go to the same chair every morning. Most likely. And, and you know that when you walk into that room, that chair is made for you to sit down, drink your coffee with your eyes half closed. And many of us, that's the time you get out your phone and start looking at social media or looking at the news and, and all those uplifting news stories, right? And, and so that's what you do. It's, it's your habit. And so when you walk into that room, your brain, without you even making a decision, tells you what to do and you do it. That's how powerful a habit is. And so to change it from a bad habit to a good habit, you've got to somehow be able to walk into that room and go, oh, no, I don't want to pull out my phone this morning. I want to do something different. You either have to go to a different room, or or you've got to do something that, that changes your habit. And the truth is, we have lots of habits that we should stop. And we're not going to have testimony time right now, but we all have habits we need to stop. And we all have habits we need to start. And so one place you start was with your physical environment. And so that example of the, of the chair that you sit in every morning and you walk into that chair, and, and maybe it's not the most peaceful thing because you're always looking at your phone. And so what do you do? Leave your phone next to your bed, go get your coffee, pick a new chair, and don't look at your phone in the morning or don't look at the news stories. Whatever it is, make the habit hard. There's actual, basically this science that says, make it as difficult as possible. If Facebook is your downfall, and I hope it's not, but if that's something you just sit down and you start looking at, then literally at night, delete the app. And so if you delete the app, the next morning you get up and you go, oh, I want to look at, Fa- oh, now I have to download it again. And I don't want to go through all that. And it literally, it can stop the habit. And and so if it's your TV, that's that's your problem. Unplug it. So the next time you go to watch it, you have to crawl under the little thing and you got to plug it back in and it makes it more difficult. And so if there's a habit you want to stop, make it really difficult. If there's a habit you want to start, well, make it really easy. Because one of the habits we all should have of followers of Jesus, we should wake up in the morning, get your cup of coffee, go ahead and sit down and spend some time reading the Bible. It's spend some time praying it, it, well man that's not my habit I I, I look at the news I, well it, the night before you go to bed take your bible and lay it on that chair and the next morning after you get your coffee and you walk in your brain's gonna go uh-oh what's happening oh there's a bible that's right This morning, I'm going to read God's word. And so you sit down and you begin to transform because one decision compounds and makes it even better and better. And it makes better decisions as you move throughout the day. Our physical environment, some physical environments, Tell our brains we should be depressed here. We should be upset. There's sometimes that we need to stay away from places or rearrange things. Put new pictures on the wall. Eva will paint you pictures if you want pictures on the wall. But, but you can change your physical environment so that you can begin to change your spiritual environment inside. And then there's people. We, we can't get away from them, but we have people that speak into our lives. And the same thing, we have people that, man. Nothing good comes from it. They tear us down or they, they help us see things negatively. And then you have people that, man, they are motivating and encouraging and you want to be around those people. What I'd say, man, spend time with those people. Now, there's some people that you can't get away from, but limit your time. Be very careful who's speaking into your life. Be very careful about the podcast you listen to, about the music you listen to. The people that speak into your life can help you either be transformed or continue to be just who you were. And the last thing, and I think probably one of the most powerful things is what we believe about ourselves. It is who we are. If you believe that, man, I just get up in the morning and I'm lazy or I hate my job, or I, and you've got that attitude, it's what you believe about you. If you think, well, I can't change, I've always done this, then you won't change. But if you can make a decision that says, you know what, I, I'm actually, I'm going to be a good employee. I, I'm actually, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus that is always seeking after him, and I'm going to read my Bible, and that is who I am, You'll start to believe it, and then people around you will start to believe it. And guess what? It just continues to grow. And and I can just imagine, I just picture that, that moment when Jesus stands up and he says, Come, come to me. Because, man, we all have things we want to change. We all have those times where we are, man, we are just stuck where we don't want to be. And Jesus says, all you have to do is make a decision and stand up and come. And I will give you rest. He will transform your life. I I read a story a while back and it... It was a huge impact on me, but it's this crazy guy, and you've heard me talk about him before. His name's Wim Hof, and he, he wrote a book, and, and he's this guy that jumps in cold water all the time, and he does this weird breathing thing, which, which I like, and I know you guys think it's all crazy. That's fine, but, but there's, there's something to it, and, and I really like doing it. It's like exercise, and, but he wrote this book about his, his technique. And he's got all these people came to his, his little compound, and he's going to teach them about the power of cold water and, and doing this breathing technique. And and the first night, there's this guy that's there that's, that's pretty overweight, and, and he's got arthritis so bad that he can barely move. And he hasn't worked in over two years because he's on disability. He has all kinds of medication for his arthritis. And he was angry that he was there. One of his family members paid for him to be there, put him on the plane and got him there. And he said, I'm not doing anything. I don't believe any of this. It's a bunch of garbage. And so Wim Hof, if you ever watch a video on him, he's just a nutty guy. But he goes back and he tells this guy, tomorrow morning you're going to do 35 push-ups. And the guy's like, whatever. And the next morning they do the the cold and the the breathing. And the guy gets down and he starts doing push-ups. Now, he didn't do 35, but he did 25 push-ups. Now the guy hadn't done a push-up in over five years, not one push-up. He didn't think he could. And all of a sudden he did 25 push-ups and that moment transformed the guy's life. He said, there's something about this. And so he starts jumping in cold water and he starts doing all these techniques. And guess what? Now, today, years later, every morning, he's got a whole group of people that they go to the lake in his town. They break the ice, yeah, the ice, and they jump in and, and, and they, they do all, all this stuff. But he works now. He's not on any medication. All because he believed that this would help. And I read that story and I thought, man, that is incredible. The power of believing something, right? But then you go think about the power of believing something and then mixing it with the Spirit of God. That is life-changing. That's what happened to Paul. That's what happened to me at 19 years old. As I made a decision, I don't want that anymore. I don't want to conform to the world I want to be transformed. And you make that choice. Mixed with the power and the spirit of God, it will change your life. And this morning, you can make that decision. And I don't know if the little white cards are on your chairs or not, but they're on the back desk if they're not. But on those cards, I want you to take them home with you. And on the card, it has Romans 12, 2. And then it has three things, and they're on the screen. Think, what action, and then write it or say it out loud. And what I want you to do is sometime today is I want you to stop. I want you to look at that card and I want you to think about what do you need to change? What areas of your life are holding you back, dragging you down? Think about it. And then all you need to do is think, what action am I going to take? What am I going to do to change that? And then say it out loud. Even put your name in there. But say it out loud. Tell a friend. Tell your spouse. Write it down. And let the power of the Spirit work in your life. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father we thank you for your spirit we thank you for the truth of your word and my prayer this morning is that each of us each of us would would just experience that transformation that you give us Lord I pray that you'd help us to make a decision that changes who we are and that we'd be people that we see ourselves as your followers. We see yourself, ourselves as your people. And help us to act that way. We'd love you that you gave yourself for us. And we just pray this in your name. In the name of Jesus, amen.